You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. What did it take to survive an ancient siege? Why was the cult of Dionysus behind so many slave revolts in ancient Rome? What's the tragic history and mythology behind Japan's most haunted ancient forest? We're Jen. And Jenny. From Ancient History Fangirl. Join us to explore ancient history and mythology from a fun, sometimes tipsy perspective. Find us at ancienthistoryfangirl.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Move over, Mulan. There's a new warrior princess in town. She can ride a horse, shoot an arrow, wrestle any man in the land. She's the independent, the badass fighter, none other than the Mongolian marvel herself, Princess Kutaloon. Hello, hello, hello. I am TK, and you are listening to For the Love of History. If you are new, welcome. If you've been here since the turkey god, welcome back. (laughs) Today, I have another empress baddie for you. Yay! Well, kind of. She's not, not technically an empress in the strictest of definitions, but this is my show so I can do whatever I want. (laughs) But I promise, after this episode, you will agree with me that she can be an honorary empress baddie. Because let me tell you, baddie she was indeed. So get yourself comfy and cozy, you know the drill, and let's get started. Okay, so... Background, background, I must give you some background about the Mongolian people and empire. The Mongolian Empire of the 13th and 14th centuries was the largest contiguous land empire in history. Let me repeat that. The largest contiguous, just means sharing one border, land empire in history. They originated in Mongolia in East Asia. The Mongolian Empire eventually stretched from Eastern Europe and parts of Central Europe to the Sea of Japan and extended northward into parts of the Arctic, eastward and southward into the Indian subcontinent, mainland Southeast Asia, and the Iranian Plateau, and westward as far as the Lebanon and the Carpathian Mountains. Basically, like, half of the world was Mongolian Empire territory. I'm going to put a picture up on the Instagram so that you can just get an idea of how freaking big this empire was. The empire started out as just a few nomadic tribes all getting together. Nomadic means people traveling around, not staying in one specific location. And who do you think unified all of these tribes together? I know you know. I know you know this one. I'm going to give you a second. Yes, you're right. Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan was the leader who unified Mongolia. And like I said, Mongolia was friggin' huge. The empire was just gigantic. And it still exists today, although in a much smaller capacity. Officially, Mongolia is not a part of China, 
Mongolia is a sovereign state in Asia and has its own language, currency, prime minister, parliament, president, and armed forces. Mongolia issues its own passports to citizens for international travel as well. And this actually has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today, but I want to tell you about it anyways. If you've never listened to Mongolian throat singing, pause this episode. Type Mongolian throat singing into the good old YouTube. Take a listen and then come right back. But promise me you'll come back, okay? I'll miss you if you don't come back. Okay. All right, welcome back. Just kidding. Listen to Mongolian throat singing after this episode. But I digress. Although not technically an empress, Kutu Yun was indeed royalty. The royal family that descends from Genghis Khan is a little different from many other royal families that we know of. Because the Mongolian people were, and still for the most part are, nomadic, there's no palace or court or anything like that. But there is a traceable royal lineage up until a certain point. Kutulun happened to be the daughter of the ruler Kaidu, who was one of the great-grandsons of Genghis Khan. And he was a very important dude, although he was not the, like, major Khan of all of the Mongolian emperor, empire, <laughs> not emperor. He ruled a pretty big and important part of it. Kaidu had many, many children. He had 14, but his favorite child was born in 1260. And this favorite child just so happened to be our girl, Kutulun. So this is where our story begins. Sometime in 1260, Kutulun was born. And she was lucky, unlucky, however you see it, into a family of 14 brothers. But luckily for her, she was treated no differently from them. From the time she was physically able, Kutiyun was on top of a horse, as is the Mongolian tradition. Horse riding and horsemanship, if that's a word, is really important in the Mongolian culture. She was trained in archery, horse riding, hunting, and wrestling. This was not unique because she was born into a high-powered family. In fact, all men and women were expected to be able to fight and defend themselves and their nation at any time. Mongolian women are the freaking bee's knees, man. The nomadic life is not an easy one. Every so often, you gotta pack up your whole life and you gotta put your life on your horses and go to your next location. But don't get me wrong, life was not all terrible. It was actually pretty great to be born a woman in Mongolian culture. Usually, each adult woman had her own herd of sheep to tend to, making them financially independent. They could marry and divorce of their own will, and spousal abuse was not tolerated, and you would have to be like a freaking idiot to do that kind of thing because your wife would just as easily be able to kick your ass in wrestling or run you over with her horse or shoot you in the ding-dong with an arrow, or at least the ding-dong is where I would aim, personally. <laughs> Mongolian women were trained in archery, horseback riding, hunting, and wrestling. And you know what's pretty cool? Mongolia continues to be a really 
awesome place because it is among the few countries in the world that has reached a medium level of gender equality on the gender equality index. In East Asia and the Pacific region, only New Zealand and Australia keep up with Mongolia. New Zealand being just a little bit better and then Australia being like a little bit worse. And just to kind of give you a comparison of what a medium means on the gender equality index, the countries that have achieved a better score are Norway with an 89, Finland with an 88, and Iceland and Sweden with 87s, Denmark with an 84, New Zealand 82, and then Spain and Mongolia with 81. These are the only countries in the world that have achieved a medium GEI, Gender Equality Index. And if you're interested in the Gender Equality Index um, that I'm talking about, I'll leave links to that in the show notes. I had never heard of this before, and it's so interesting. So go ahead and check that out when you have time. Okay, so let's get back on track with our girl Kutu Yoon, the certified badass. So Kutuyun trained and fought and became her father's undisputed best warrior and subsequently his favorite child. Kutuyun was just dominating the military scene and helping her father win battle after battle after battle. She became so well respected by her father and the people in his army that her father would frequently ask her advice on military battle and other diplomatic issues. Unfortunately, we hardly have any Mongolian contemporary resources because the Mongolian people were and remain nomadic. So building a big old library to hold books and scrolls was kind of out of the question. That's not a pack up and put on your horse kind of building. And because of this, unfortunately, we don't know the ins and outs of their relationship. We don't know what exactly she helped with or what diplomatic things went on between the two of them. But thankfully, we have an amazing source of primary resources, the diary and writings of Marco Polo. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? <laughs> you get the goofiest game in history, Queen's Podcast. 
Hi, I'm Nathan. And I'm Katie. And we're the host of Queen's Podcast. Join us while we spill the tea on women from history. We get into all kinds of stories here, like biographies of lesser known figures. For instance, Saida Haltura, powerful pirate queen. To the stories you might already know, like Marie Antoinette or Cleopatra, but with a fun twist. Each queen is paired with a cocktail that'll totally get you in the mood to hear fun, juicy, and dramatic stories from history. Because history is so much more than just dudes on a battlefield, and we believe that the female perspective and roles are just as deserving of their time in the spotlight. Right. So come get to know these queens. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers. It is speculated that Marco Polo had a big old crush on Kutaloon, which is kind of gross because he was a middle-aged man uh, and she was a teenager when they met. Ugh. But I guess thank you, Marco Polo, for your very vivid descriptions of her, without which we wouldn't know as much as we do about her today. So let me tell you what Marco Polo had to say about Kutaloon. She was well made in all her limbs, and so tall and strongly built that she might also be taken for a giantess, so strong that there was no man in the whole kingdom who could overcome her. She vanquished them all. When she rode into battle, she was like a hawk and would pluck one of her enemies and drag them back to her people. Marco Polo continued to be with the Mongolian people and specifically Kutulun and her people for much longer and would describe her battles and other parts of her life. Like I said, Kutulun was a teenager at the point where she met Marco Polo. And it was at this time that her father was starting to think, hey, hey, time to get you married, girl. Because that was the thing back in the day. You die young, you get married young. Everything's kind of like pushed back. And on top of that, she was a royal family member. And just like any other royal family, political matches were made and daughters were used to strengthen alliances and all that jazz. Marriages were seen as diplomatic arrangements and husbands were chosen by women's fathers. Men, on the other hand, were allowed to have as many wives as they wanted and they always had a say in the matter of who they married. They were also allowed to have a harem of concubines. There was very little room for love. I know I said that this was a very female-forward place, However, keep in mind the time. We're talking late 1200s, early 1300s, friend. Like, we can only expect so much. And although we must keep the times in mind, our girl, Kutaloon, was not having any of it. She was not about to get married to someone that she didn't like and that she didn't know. She thought it was unfair because her brothers got to choose who they should marry. And she was stronger than most men. Kutaloon declared that she had proven that she was worthy to choose her own husband. So she made a deal with her dad. She wouldn't marry any man unless they could beat her in a wrestling match. And her dad was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm down. In fact... He was so down that he sent out a royal decree basically advertising his daughter's challenge, but he put a little extra spin on it. 
any man in the kingdom who wished to marry his daughter needed to bring 100 horses as their ticket to entry. If they lost, Kutaloon and her dad got all them horses. And if they won, they got to marry Kutaloon. A win-win. I guess not a win-win. It was just good for Kutaloon. <laughs> she didn't have to marry anybody and she got a bunch of horses. This price of 100 horses did not deter anybody. Wealthy dudes were traveling from all over the empire to challenge her, and they lost their 100 horses. Kutaloon won over 10,000 beautiful horses, and Kaidu was extremely proud that his daughter was able to bring their family so much wealth, status, and respect. He often said that he believed Kutaloon deserved to become the next Khan more than any man in Mongolia. Kutaloon wrestled man after man and never lost. But if you've been following along on Instagram, you already know that she did eventually get married. But there is some debate about this fact. Marky Mark, aka Marco Polo, makes no mention of her eventually getting married. However, Persian writer Rashad al-Din, who traveled through Asia at the time, suggests that she got married to a Mongol ruler named Ghazan after falling in love with him. Others have suggested she married a prisoner of her father's or one of his aides because she found him worthy and handsome enough to be her man. Kutaloon left her life to no one other than herself, and even in the face of her own very powerful father and the pleading of the entire empire, she never gave in. She was and forever will be the undefeated wrestling empress. But TK, she's not really an empress at all. All right, hold your horses, friend. I'll tell you why she totally is, or at least an honorary one. When Kutaloon was in her early 40s, her father was on his deathbed. Kaidu was surrounded by all of his children and wives. As he was dying, he said that he regretted never appointing Kutaloon as his future leader before that day. He said that she was stronger and therefore the most worthy of having the leadership position. Not only that, but the soldiers genuinely respected her. When he died, everybody didn't know how to handle the situation. Unlike European cultures, the heir to a father's throne was not given to the oldest son. It was given to the strongest. But since Kutaloon was stronger than all of her brothers, it was obvious to her father that she was the logical next person. But her brothers were super jealous. They lost their inheritance and their power to a girl. Her own brothers planned a plot to assassinate her she was killed before she had a chance to become the ruler that her father knew that she could be. So even though she never got to rule in her own right, she was the empress in her father's heart and the heart of the people. That was so depressing, I know, I'm sorry. And you know that I can't leave you like this. We have to end on a positive final thought and I'm gonna tell you the story of the most famous marriage wrestling match 
of Cthulhu's. You're gonna love it, I promise. So one day, a wealthy prince from a neighboring kingdom showed up with a huge ass caravan of servants and animals and people and everything, as well as some of the healthiest and most beautiful horses anyone had ever seen. The prince was also in his early 20s, and he was very good looking, very good looking. Everybody was aghast. Jaws dropped. People were shook. Wigs were snatched. It was a whole thing. Everybody, and I mean everybody, was convinced that this would be the future husband of Kutaloon. And when the fight was scheduled, word spread like freaking wildfire that he was the one. On the day of the fight with Mr. Handsome, a massive crowd gathered around to watch, including the possibly creepy Marco Polo and members of the royal court. Everyone was so stoked. They were like, oh my God, the time has come. And when Kutaloon and Mr. Handsome Prince stepped into the ring, not a single person in the area could take a breath as the prince and her locked arms. They began to struggle in the ring for much longer than any man had ever lasted before. There was hope. There was a light of hope at the end of the tunnel. The crowd was screaming and cheering, but suddenly Kutaloon got the upper hand and slammed the prince on the floor. The cheering abruptly stopped. It was clear that she had won. Everyone was just so disappointed. Hearts were broken. Dreams were smashed. Everybody was devastated except for Kutaloon because she got a hundred new horses and she didn't really even like the guy that very much. And you know what the moral of the story is? Even in the face of so much political, familial, and social pressure, Kutaloon never backed down or gave in to outside pressure because outside pressure there was. People were getting tired of her not getting married. And when Mr. Handsome Prince walked in, they thought that this was the end, but it was not. But you know what? I hope the next time you're feeling pressured into doing something that you don't want to do or something that will make you unable to live your best life, I hope that you can channel your inner Kutaloon and tell people, no, I'm not going to do that no matter how many times they ask. Because if it doesn't make you happy, then it's not worth doing. Thank you so very much for joining me today, my lovely friend. If you enjoyed today's episode, maybe leave a little review, maybe give a little five-star rating, you know, if you feel so inclined. But if you don't, that's okay too. I'm just glad you're here. Uh, Just a little reminder that as of October, I will be uploading a new episode every other week for a while because things are a little crazy up in here. So you can expect the next episode on October 16th. The topic is a mystery because I don't know what we're going to talk about yet. So stay tuned for that. I will be sure to announce that on the Instagram In the meantime, there are many, many other episodes that you can catch up on. 
I hope you have a great week. It's getting a little colder, so make sure that you don't get a cold with the changing weather. I always get a cold when the weather changes. I don't know why, but my dad always tells me to drink orange juice. So you should also drink orange juice. And if you don't like orange juice, well then I don't know what to tell you. What's wrong with you? Why don't you like orange juice? <laughs> oh, or you could eat strawberries. Strawberries have actually more vitamin C than oranges, but you're not here for science. <laughs> okay, that's it. I hope you have a good week or weekend or whatever. And I will talk to you on October 16th. Okay, bye. Why is there a metronome right now? Okay. <laughs>